Thank you, Lord, for good things. And, um, you know, Father, we all had a good laugh about a bearskin rug, but the reality of it is, Father, you're, you're concerned about the simple details of our lives, Father. Anything that affects us, um, Lord, as your children, Father, it affects us just as those in the room who have children know, Father, something big, something small. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love and loving us like that, Father. And, 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 and Father, that, you know, you run the universe, but at the same time, the the numbers of hair upon our head, Lord, is important to you. And so we are in awe of a God who is so vast and so awesome and yet so loving and so personable. And Lord, as we come to you tonight, um, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, faithfulness, Lord, that you're teaching us, uh, Father, uh, even when it's hard uh, to press on in. Uh, you're the God of the breakthrough. And Lord, you're helping us break through a lot of things in our lives. And Lord, you're teaching us, you're training us, you're growing us up. And, um, and we thank you for that. And so, Lord, as, um, as we look into your word tonight, I thank you for helping us bring our hearts to attention. Lord, to receive with meekness uh, your engrafted and planted word, Father, that is able to renew and recondition our souls and make us more and more like Jesus. We pray these things tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right, we're gonna, you're welcome, sister. We're going to jump uh, in where we left off last week, and that will be in Luke chapter 21 and verse 19. Luke chapter 21 and verse 19. Um, it's, I, it would be a stretch to say it's my favorite verse that talks about our soul, but it's, it's one of my favorites. Let's just say it that way. All right, my favorite, 2119. My favorite one is found in 3 John, and we'll get there here in just a minute, all right? But um, let's, uh, let's begin at uh, Luke uh, 21 and, um, and 19, all right? Uh, just uh, before we read the verse, just uh, a, a really, really, really quick uh, review of what looks like, you know, um, somebody, uh, you know, scratching graffiti on something. Um, but again, every word up here is, is communicating something. It's important. Um, you were created in the image and likeness of God. God is a three yet one being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He created you, a three yet one being. I look at you, I see one, but the Bible tells me there's three. Um, the three that are you is spirit, soul, and body. Um, your spirit is the real you. Your spirit is the real you. Your spirit is the real you, okay? Um, we cannot say that, hear that, think that, renew that, re renew our mind to that, or meditate on that enough because the world and the devil and everybody else wants you to think that your flesh and, and your body and what goes on and all that stuff in that level of your existence is the real you. It's not, okay? So the spirit is the, your spirit is the real you. Your soul is the part of you that thinks and feels and makes choices, makes choices. And of course we know that life is choice-driven and choices are important, um, but it's hard to make good choices with bad emotions and it's hard to have good emotions with wrong thinking. So the soulish part of you, your soul, is a critical, critical part of you, okay, to understand. And again, the Word of God is how we understand it because it's sharper than a surgeon's scalpel and it's able to dissect the part of you that is soul from the part of you that is spirit and penetrate down even to the marrow in your bones, all right? That's Hebrews 4.12. So your spirit and soul... And all of that's contained within a physical body. We use the expression hand in glove, right? So your body is the most sophisticated, high-tech, elaborate glove that's ever existed. But at the end of the day, it's still a glove. And it was designed in such a way by God. 
as to give expression to the spirit and soul that has been plugged into or interfaced with it. Right? So, if, you, know, you will be an emotional being, you know, a being that thinks and remembers uh, when you are no longer uh, uh, living in the body that you're in right now. Paul called the body that you and I have right now a tent, a temporary place to dwell or live. Okay? There's coming a day when we will move into another glove, another body that will even be more uh, amazing than this one. Um, and it will not be made from the dust of the earth. It will not be made from physical matter. It will be made from spiritual matter. Jesus had a body like that. And sometimes I'm hesitant to say these things because I'm not just trying to say it for shock value, but when Jesus, remember, He was raised from the dead. He comforted Mary in between uh, you know, death, hell, and the grave and going back to heaven to pour His blood out on the altar there to cover our sins forever. And He saw His dear friend crying and weeping because she thought somebody had stolen His body. He said her name, she went to touch him, and he said, you, you, oh, don't touch me, you can't touch me right now. But just know that I'll be back, let them all know I'm alive and I'll be back. And so she ran. How about this, ladies? God, you know, first missionary evangelist was a woman, all right? Uh, amen, that's good, that's good stuff, right? So anyway, so Jesus comes back, right? And they touch him, they feel him. He's got the wounds, all this other stuff. But, you know, then he just walks through a wall. I mean, he eats supper with them, and then he, you know, he doesn't have to use the door anymore, right? You think, well, that's kind of, you know, far-fetched, isn't it, Pastor? No, it's a glorified body. And we'll have, we'll have one of those glorified bodies one day, okay? Nowhere specifically does the Bible say that you'll be able to fly when you have a glorified body, but I just choose to believe I can. And if you don't, you can watch me fly and stay wherever you're going to be, all right? So, anyway. So, spirit, soul, body, spirit, soul, body. An understanding of these three is critically important. Now, this word here is zoe. This means the life and nature of God. We're fixing to get into some Zoe talk here as the days unfold. Um, this is the life that Jesus came to give us. This is the life that we lost when Adam and Eve sinned. Our, remember, death is separation. Spiritual death is when our spirit is separated from God's spirit. So if you can imagine an, a barrier right here, and I know some of you are kind of tight, you know. If you can imagine a barrier right here blocking the Zoe, that's what happened. No Zoe, no life and nature was flowing from God into our spirit. We were spiritually dead. Spiritually dead doesn't mean spiritually non-existent. That's sometimes what people think. You know, if something's dead, it doesn't exist anymore. No, no, no. Think of a radio that's dead. Think of your cell phone that's dead. In other words, it's, it's there. It just doesn't have any juice. It doesn't have any life. Or how about this with a radio? It doesn't have a signal that it's connected to. All right? So if you take a radio and, and, and reconnect it with the signal, you follow what I'm saying? So think of it, think of it this way. All right? So... Um, you can sit on the front, wherever you want to sit, sister. I just, anyway, we got it all mixed up today. So, the um, uh, what am I trying to say? Praise God. Um, amen. So, <clears throat> I'm thinking Sister Betty's coming, and that's where she normally sits. But I don't know if she's coming around. All right. So anyway, Betty can come there. Okay. All right. I just got Betty on the mind for all of a sudden. All right. So let's go back to it. So if you go to your radio. And you've got it tuned to 93.7 on the FM dial, right? WDJC. If you go there and turn it on, um, you know, I, I asked this question one time, so don't answer it, please. I'm just being silly. But somebody actually, you know, oh, wow, I don't know, Pastor Mark. I said, how do they know to send you a signal? Well, no, no, they, they, the signal's already here. Signals are in this room, okay? We can't see them, can't feel them, and we'll never hear them unless we dial into that frequency. If we dial into that, that modulation, that frequency, right, now, all of a sudden, we're receiving the signal. Okay, so 
we were, we were separated from the signal, so our radio, our life was dead. We were still existing. But all we had was something called bios, which both of these words, bios, zoe, translated in the New Testament as the word life. So Jesus said to people who had biological life, I've come to give you zoe, the life and nature of God. All right? Now, Luke 21, 19 says this. It says, by your patience, possess your souls. The King James Version says, possess ye your souls. And this is the case where I actually prefer the King James Version over the New King James because it's emphasizing that the soul part of you is the part that not only belongs to you, it's not just that it's yours, it is, and I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth when I say this is the real you, but this is, this is the part of you that, that you're responsible for. I, still, I, I have this even in my notes. I said, when I try to talk about this, I, I mean, there was one time that I said it so wonderful, I was like, man, I want to go back and listen to that because that's how it needs to be said every time. But anyway, something happened to that recording. But, um, so the, the idea, though, is, the, the bigger picture of this is that if we do not possess our own mind, will, mind emotions, and will, then who or what does? Do you follow what I'm saying? Jesus is telling us here how to regain possession of something that has been lost, right? So, you know, on the surface that sounds, you know, kind of odd or even maybe a bit scary. But think of how many things, how many people, how many different situations over the course of our lives have, quote-unquote, owned us. You know, we say, man, that owned me. Or that, you know, I, there was, uh, my brother-in-law was talking about a friend of his, He's trying to lose weight, and they rode past Wendy's when, this is to show you how old this is, when Wendy's first moved into midfield. And he said he used to ride by it screaming out the window, you don't own me, right? Because he, he, you know, loved to go in there and eat all them hamburgers and stuff. So, again, we're talking about where something else or someone else has literally, you know, you've become obsessed, you've become consumed with, um, with that thing in, in your thinking, it, it has, uh, uh, you know, captured you emotionally. Y'all are looking at me like y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Is it? Yes, you know what I mean. Okay. And, and, and then ultimately, it, it has tremendous influence over your choices. Jesus is saying that we can regain possession of our soul, but it must be through endurance. In, in other words, you know, we, we've got to um, persist. We've got to continue um, in the Word of God. We've got to... To, to diligently, uh, you know, uh, set our minds, set our affections uh, on the things that are positive and healthy. And, um, and slowly but surely, um, it, those things won't own us, but we will have regained possession of our souls. All right? So we're going to, that's more of an introduction because just keep that, I want you to keep that thought in mind as the things unfold in the days ahead. Uh, days ahead. Now, let's go to Proverbs, I'm sorry, Hebrews, Hebrews, not Proverbs, Hebrews chapter 13, okay? Hebrews chapter 13, and um, we'll look at verse number 17, praise God. Yes, Hebrews 13, 17. Almost the very end of the book of Hebrews. 17, 1, 7. Hebrews 13, 1, 7. Alright? Amen. Praise God. Alright. It says this, Obey those who rule over you, 
and be submissive, for they watch out for your, there's the word again, souls, as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Okay? Now, that word rule there uh, could just as, as easily have been translated lead, okay? who lead over you. The model of leadership that Jesus established for us, and it's the one that should be followed in the New Testament uh, Christian church, is the model of servant leadership. Servant leadership. Remember when Jesus' disciples were arguing over who was the greatest and who was going to be the vice president, who was going to be, you know, all these other things. Jesus said, hold on just a second. Cut that out, guys. Cut that out. That's how the world operates. They try to lord over one another. They try to... They try to, you know, be in a position of power and authority over somebody else. And he says that's not how it works in the kingdom. In the kingdom, in order to be the greatest, you become the least, right? If you want to be the most important in the kingdom, then you become the servant of all. And so it's servant leadership. So I even, you know, consistently refer to myself as the servant leader of this family of faith, okay? Um, So... That's why I'm not a big fan of this word rule, okay? Because in actuality, you know, God even didn't, you know, it's not so much that God created you to rule over you as it is that He created you to rule through you. He wants to live inside of you and operate and live through you, rule through you, dominate through you, overcome through you, okay? So, you know, when we talk about dominion and rulership and authority, we're not talking about having that over other people. We're talking about having that over circumstances, situations, devils and demons, so forth and so on, okay? So, again, it's a, it's a bit misleading. That's why I spent a few minutes to try to further define this concept. But the idea, of course, is that God created something called the church, the body of Christ. And God put within the body of Christ, uh, you know, different positions and different men and women in those positions, and the idea is that he put those men and women in those positions for your benefit. All right? So remember here, he's saying to be submissive, and this is just a general rule of thumb that I often talk about during these times, okay? And that is that you are created to be both a person under authority and to be a man or a woman of authority. And if you recall, when um, the centurion soldier comes to Jesus because his servant's about on his deathbed, and he asked Jesus, uh, to heal his servant, and Jesus says, I will come to your home and heal him, and he says, that's not necessary. I am a man like you. I am a man uh, under authority, meaning there are people over him that he submits to, and he says, I'm a man of authority, meaning there were people under him that submitted to him. And he says, I recognize that you are the same, Jesus, that you are a man who's also under authority and also has authority, so if you will simply speak the word, my servant will be healed. Now, Jesus stepped back and said, Shazam, I put that part in there. He was amazed. He said, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Right? Now, that was some amazing faith. So notice, it was because this man understood this idea of authority, who he was supposed to place himself under. And so, here's, here's the rule of thumb. God's been trying your whole life to get you under what you're supposed to be under so he can put you over what you're supposed to be over. Right? Your ability to rule and reign in life is going to be directly you know, related to um, how much authority you have chosen to submit yourself to. Right? 
So, see, there's a lot of folks who want to rule and reign over devils, but they don't want to submit to the people that God has put over them. It's a real, it's a real problem. Satan knows the importance of this. This is why so many people have what the world calls authority issues, okay? Because what has happened to them in the past is that they have submitted to authority, and that authority has abused them, has wounded them, has um, you know, taken advantage of them, so forth and so on. And so, again, we're you know, nervous, reluctant to do it, okay? Um, this is one of those things that kind of go goes along with tithing for me. It's extremely important that God's people are educated about these things, but I always come to this subject you know, with, with as much humility as I can possibly muster because it can, of course, come across as being self-serving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Pastor Mark just trying to get some more money from the church, so he's hammering down on tithing. No, no, see, my, my commitment, my vow to this family of faith is that any time I talk about finances, it's for their benefit and not mine and not even the church's. You hear what I'm saying? Okay. So the idea that, well, we're in financial tight, so let's really teach on tithing. No, no, no. See, that's not how it works, and that's, that's certainly not who I am, and it's not how I operate. And the same is true with what this verse is telling us. It's telling us to submit to those that God has put in a position of servant leadership over you. Okay? You hear what I'm saying? Because notice what it says. For they watch out for whose soul? Your soul. Okay? <laughs> Amen. Somebody say accountability. Accountability. This, this, is, this is God's system of accountability. Now, this means that as a servant leader in the body of Christ, and remember, we're teaching these classes from the perspective of you as a minister, okay? Which means you are already helping watch out. Most of you, if not all of you, are already helping watch out for other people's souls, okay? Never embarrass her. I saw Natalie doing it the other day in class, right? Somebody was hurting, somebody was broken, somebody was confused. She was comforting them but also you know so your soul is what <laughs> again let's not lose sight of this mind will and emotions so to watch out for someone's soul means you're trying to help them and and provide oversight accountability for how they're thinking their emotions how they're feeling right and then ultimately the choices that those thoughts emotions lead to yes okay so He's saying then, remember now, we looked at this in 1 Corinthians 6, don't turn back there, but your body and your spirit belong to God, but this, your soul is something that, that you are in unique, you, you, uniquely in possession of, but how many of you know we can't always trust our own thinking? I raised my hand before I even got it out of my mouth, and I'm not just saying raise yours, I'm just saying I can't trust my own thinking. We weren't never, we, no, I don't, I'm not trying to act like we're so fragile and oh, we're just so vulnerable. No, no, I'm not saying that. We, because remember, it's not good for us to be alone. We, we were always meant to be accountable to other people. We were always meant, right, as, as, as things progress, you, know, you, have, you have folks that are, um, you know, older than you, that have had so much more life experience than you that have walked with God for a longer time than you, and they can help you keep from making the same mistakes that they made if we will be submissive, if we will obey those who have servant leadership over us because they're trying to... See, 
It was a really, really, really good day for me when I realized that I wasn't responsible for every person's choices that comes to Heritage Christian Center and calls me their pastor. I, 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 I can't... In other words, what you do, not, it's not my responsibility. In other words, that doesn't mean I, I won't help you and all that stuff. Just like what I do is not your responsibility. Okay? But the target here that God has uh, you know, designated for us is the soul. Is the soul. So, you know, if you want to help folk, right? <laughs> you know, ultimately, the, the long-term, lifetime difference is going to be made. If they're born again now, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, is going to be made in the area of their thoughts and the emotions that those thoughts produce and then ultimately the choices that they make. All right? Now, let's go to 3 John. And that's almost to Revelation. Okay? I mean, just right at the back of the book. All right? Back of the Bible. 3 John. And... Um, so a lot of times you hear somebody say 3 John 2, and there's only one chapter, so it's verse 2, okay? So it's, it's um, one letter that Paul wrote, and it was a brief letter, and it turned out to be, you know, just one chapter long. So, the verse is, Beloved, now I'm going to give you the King James Version first. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I wish above all things, pray above all things, that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. The New King James Version reads this way, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Now, let's, um, let's talk about a few things. First of all, when we talk about prospering, is that a new word for you? Do you understand prospering? Prospering means you're doing well. Prospering means you're increasing in good things. Prospering, uh, so, if we, so let's say that someone has a very prosperous business. Well, what, what image comes to your mind when you say that? You're thinking of somebody that's making some cash, right? Somebody that's, that's got good business and, 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 and they're you know, sound in every way. And um, so the idea behind prospering in all things, okay? So, um, you understand the word all, right? In all things. So, prospering in all things would certainly include prospering financially. But it would also include prospering as a parent, prospering as a husband or wife, prospering um, in, uh, you know, other things that you may put your hand to. Um, the Bible talks about everything you put your hand to prospering. So whatever you're involved in, you know, doing it is under the Lord and, and, it, and it being prosperous, making a difference, uh, making, uh, you know, benefit, uh, profit is another prosperity word. Uh, the Bible uses that word quite frequently, actually, the word profit. So he's saying that in, in all things, in every area, and, and, and facet of your life, anything that involves you, anything that touches you, anything that affects you, that you would prosper in that area. I don't know about you, but I'm interested in that. That's, that's the kind of life that I want to live. 
That's, the kind of, that's where we want to be, right? Okay. And he doesn't quit there. He says, and be in health. Now, obviously, you know, we could talk about mental health and we could talk about emotional health or emotional well-being. And I'm not saying that's not included here. It is. But if you understand the verse, this word health is the Greek word huji eino, and you can only imagine that we get our English word hygiene from this, or hygienic, and it literally means to be sound in physical body, to be in good health. So, it's, there's so many words in the Bible because people have got this crazy idea that God is no longer interested in us being physically healthy or no longer interested in healing us physically when He absolutely positively is, okay? Um, but because they believe that He is not, all these verses in the Bible that talk about Him touching us physically and us being well and, and, and healthy physically, they try to twist and turn and, and make it mean uh, something spiritual or something emotional or something mental. And that is just absolutely not what he's talking about here. He is talking about you being physically healthy. You, you being physically well. Amen. Again, sign me up. Right? I'm interested. It's kind of like what James was talking about through endurance. You coming to a place where you lack nothing in life where you have everything you need and then some. Jesus talked about abundance. Abundance is you having what you need and then some. Paul, through the Holy Spirit, talked about you having what you need and in addition to what you need, having the ability to meet other needs as they arise in other places, churches, ministries, what have you. You always being ready to be able to, to, to fund, to give, to bless, to help. Again, some folks, you know, like we could have done this a different way. All right, I want everybody to imagine that you are so wealthy that you have everything that you need and you're able to help anybody that comes along that needs your help. I mean, I think that would appeal to every person in this room. All right, so this is what he's talking about here, okay, in 3 John 2. So, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as, or the King James says, even as... Your soul prospers. Now, it's kind of like, um, and I, I don't mean to present it this way, but I'm just trying to, hallelujah. So somebody's you know, telling you something that sounds too good to be true, the question we usually ask is, what's the catch? Right? All right, Pastor, yeah, man, sign me up, sign me up. But what's the catch? Well, I don't mean to, you know, imply because catch has like something underhanded or, you know, some kind of scam or something like that. So I don't mean to use that word, you know, if it brings up those kinds of thoughts in your mind. But the, the simple catch is, even as your soul prospers. Right? Now, let's go back to Him, God, this, His life and nature, and this, your born-again spirit. When your spirit was born again, some of you, this, some of you never heard this, other, most of you in here were here when we taught these things, but let me try to bring something back up on the table tonight. When you were born again, God put a new spirit in you, and then your new spirit and God's spirit became one spirit. Okay? 
But he also did something else at that point. He took his kingdom and he put his kingdom in you. Amen. So when Jesus came to the earth, he brought the government of God and all of its power, all of its authority, and all of its wealth, and all of its glory, and all of its resources to the earth. And he announced and had everybody else who would listen to him and follow him announce, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or upon you. In other words, it's so close that it's just right next to you. It's so close you can reach out and grab hold of it. Okay? So the word repent is new condition of mind, a new way of thinking. So um, I heard somebody say it this way. You can't keep thinking the way you've always thought because the king has come and he's brought his kingdom with him. Amen. So when they, were, when they asked Jesus about the miracles, he said what you're seeing are results, visible results, from an invisible source. The invisible source was the kingdom. Jesus said, if you see me casting out devils, it can only mean one thing. The kingdom of God is here now. And of course, He did it. And as we pointed out when we covered that, for those of you who are not here, all the other miracles we see Jesus do were also done in the Old Testament. Multiplied food, healed people, manipulated environment, um, even raised people from the dead in the Old Testament. But there was one miracle that was reserved for Jesus, and it was to be significant. It was to mark. It was to announce, if you will, that the kingdom was here, and that was casting out devils. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. So the kingdom is at hand. That's really good news, but it gets even better. The kingdom that was at hand, Jesus said, it's Father's good pleasure to give this kingdom to you and to me. And so he was asked, when will there be a ribbon cutting? When will there be a parade? When this kingdom you're talking about all the time, Jesus, obviously critics, this kingdom you're talking about all the time, Jesus, when is it going to be available for us uh, to come and tour, right? Visit. Because they're thinking something physical, something earthly. And Jesus says, the kingdom will be within you. All right? Now, I'm not done yet. A little review here, a little review, all right? So in Matthew 13, Jesus went back to back to back to back to back, and I think maybe one more back. Six or seven, it was a lot of parables, let's just say it, in a row, and he began those parables, at least most of them, I don't have it all in front of me now, but saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. He would tell a story. The kingdom of heaven is like. Tell another story. The kingdom of heaven is like.